Hey everyone, before we start the podcast today, I just want to really quickly plug uh, an album that my friend put out uh, this last week. Um, my friend's name is Natalie Tyre. She's one of the few people from middle school who actually left a really positive impression on me. Um, we all know middle school is really hard, but she's a wonderful person and she grew up to be an equally wonderful musician. Um, so the album is called The Flames That Forge Us. It's available on iTunes and Apple Music and Tidal. And this song is called Oh Richmond. We're going to listen to a few seconds of it. God, I love that song, and it makes me really want to move to Richmond. Um, all right, guys, so we'll go ahead and get started now. Check out Natalie's music. Thanks. I'm so random. Oh, my God, you're so random. It's pointing more to you than to me. Oh, Just my God. You've got to make it equal. What the fuck, Katie? Separate but equal is not no, good. No, it's never a good thing. It's not. No one's really ever equal when they're separate. Separate can never be equal. Why yeah. are we talking about segregation I don't, you brought it up I did not <laughs> yeah you're right it was me but like most racists I want to blame it on other people oh my god we cannot include this <laughs> alright now we're warmed oh up oh my god that was such a good warm up I am good time we warmed up because it is the wall north of the wall outside yeah winter is fucking coming winter is on my <laughs> sorry oh, oh my no. god <laughs> Winter is coming has never been more realistic to me than when Donald Trump was elected president. Yeah. Because January is coming and the White Walkers are like, yes. They are white and they are walking. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew that the White Walkers were actually just alt-right? White dudes. Yeah. Alt-right. <laughs> alt-right. Alt-right. Let's call them alt-right. Let's call them what they are. They're racist. Racist. Sorry, I was reading CNN a little Nazis. bit before this, which is always a bad idea, um, because the world is like a giant puddle of nasty mud, where uh-huh. if you look at it too long, uh-huh. um, a little human hand comes out and bitch slaps you. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, that like the muddy chocolate pudding section of Candyland, Ooh, the yes. one that you could get stuck in right before you won the game. The molasses Like, song. we thought we were going to win the game. We were like, yes, we're so close, like... The Queen of Candyland is going to be Queen Hillary, and then we got stuck in Donald Trump sludge mud pit. The slump. The Trump slump. Trump slump. I'm sure we're not the first people to think of that phrase. Yeah. Ugh. This is just our Trump slump, guys. We're going to get through it. All right, wait. we okay, we got to cheer up. This is supposed to be an inspirational yeah. podcast. Let's be kind. <sighs> Let's rewind and be kind. Um... Yeah, welcome to welcome another episode. to another exciting episode of 2020. 2020, the podcast. That's 
<laughs> da, 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 da. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you the chorus line. A chorus line is our new theme song. I'm like, I'm a little hungover. I have to be honest. You seem a little hungover. You're in your bathrobe. Yeah, so, sorry. Like, no, I, of course I'm in my bathrobe. <laughs> Guys, I'm always in my bathrobe when I'm home. <laughs> well, so I went to a holiday party last night and it was really fun. But there was a lot of wine, so mm. just a little hungover today. Were they playing Christmas music at the holiday party? They were. So was it like fun Christmas? Like what kind of Christmas music were they playing? Well, it started out, it was like a very dramatic Christmas <laughs> music playlist. Like, just like all the like really like oh, chorus, orchestral. Yeah. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. And I was no. like, oh wow. But it was funny because like on the screen, she had like her computer linked up through like HDMI cord to the TV. But on the screen, uh, she was playing her Spotify playlist, but in front of it was like a paused Pandora, pl- like Justin Bieber Christmas playlist. Oh. Or no, no, it was Ariana Grande Christmas playlist. And I was like, how is this orchestral version of Oh Holy Night on an Ariana Grande Pandora playlist? But they know what the people want. Yeah, but it, it ended up not being that. Oh. So well. I was just wrong. I like um, oh, oh Holy Night when like divas just take it further yeah. and further like when it's like oh oh oh, oh, oh night a diva star of oh night did you i just started watching the uh did you see that patty labelle performance at the white house from no. like christmas of like i don't know like 92 94 Ooh. and it's basically like her just being completely over it she just like in the middle of her song she's like where are my backup singers? Because <laughs> there, there's like, it's so awkward. There's just like empty risers behind her. Like clearly there were supposed to be backup singers. Something what? went wrong. And then she's like, I don't know the words. And y'all didn't put them on the cue cards. So I'm just going to ad lib and make this up. But like, it's still Patti LaBelle. And she's like still singing, but she's just like going off script. And it is so funny. Are you sure it's 92? Is it from the Bush era? Cause no, I, went I think it's to- Clinton era. Because I went to several Bush-era Christmas tree lightings. Don't mm-hmm. ask why, but we went. And well, I almost feel like Patti LaBelle was at one or two of them. Really? But I could be wrong. Wait, uh, Patti LaBelle. Wait, oh my god, I can't spell. Christmas tree. I can't spell today. I'm too hungover. Lighting. You just okay. Christmas I was like, Patti, Babel, Christmas three lighting. Okay. Oh, 96. Patti okay. LaBelle, 96. Where are my background singers? Okay. Oh. Wait, we're just going to listen to it. We're to have as our special honored guest this evening, the dynamic Patti LaBelle. Patti's recording and acting career <laughs> has pushed her to the pinnacle of show business. <gasps> she walked out too soon. Here to sing this Christmas is Patti LaBelle. Orchestra, like 
Before there was Mariah. <laughs> uh, there was Patty. In in her defense, it's so awkward. Like, where no, are they? Not the same thing as Mariah Carey, because Mariah Carey, like, actually didn't sound good that time. But, like, this is, this is yeah, unique. This it's is, amazing. Just, just go on YouTube and search Patty LaBelle, Where My Background Singers. Jeez. It's... Amazing. Can I really quickly say we've been listening to a lot of Christmas music at Trader Joe's, and by a lot of Christmas music, I mean we've been listening to Sophia different Stevens. renditions of the same <laughs> twenty-five, album. maybe like fifteen songs. Yeah. Not even Sophie and Stevens, like not even to that level. We've been listening to like that's what I imagine. Just Pandora. Yeah, I know. I wish it were that cool. You'd think Trader Joe's would have cool music, but not really. We've been listening to like, um, you know, the versions of. Uh, the Merry Christmas to you. Mm-hmm. There's like... The Christmas song. Like there's... Right, the Christmas song. So there's like there's the version where it's like the classic like Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, where it's like, though it's been said many times, many ways. But then there's the uh, like the diva version that's like, though it's been said many times, many, many ways. ways. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I knew exactly what version. That <laughs> makes me want to rip <laughs> just the front many part of my hair out. Ways. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Many ways. Like it's the worst. Amazing. Like that alone could ruin an orphan's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really Harry Potter. We're we're asking you directly. What what is your thoughts on yeah on remakes of Christmas songs? Um, I have not been listening to enough Christmas music. I think normally I'm like, that's all I'm listening to. But I don't yeah. know. I gotta get my gotta get my Christmas spirit going. Sophie and Stevens is a good route. I love Zoe Deschanel stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little sleepy. Hipster Christmas. Hip- Christmas. Um, yeah. Um, Rogue One came out. Yes. Holy crap. We haven't seen it yet. Haven't seen it yet. Um, full disclosure, we're recording this a week before Christmas Eve, but when you guys listen to this, it's the day before Christmas Eve, so... No, wait, wait, is it coming out on the 22nd or the 23rd? It'll be like Christmas Eve Eve. Eve Eve. Eve Eve. Eve Christmas Eve Longoria. Um, I'm seeing it with my dad. I have a... A huge, a huge part of my relationship with my father is built upon our mutual love of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dad, what's up? Um, and we are going to be seeing Rogue One together when I get home next week. I am so excited. Yay! Cannot wait. I had a minor plot detail spoiled to me <gasps> this morning. No! By the emo Kylo Ren Twitter account. Which is so not cool that you, you have this cute little parody account that people follow just because it's funny, and then you're gonna drop plot points. That's really rude. Guys, really rude. Don't spoil stuff on the internet. Yeah. Come on. It's not, not cool. nice. Don't do that. We took painstaking effort to not spoil La La Land for you. Yeah. And you guys know you're not gonna see it until it's on Netflix, so. Right. That was really nice of us. We spoke about it as vaguely as possible. We spoke about it like it was a watercolor painting. Yeah. That didn't have any kind of right. distinguishable features. It was a features. vague wash of we loved it. Yeah. It was just <laughs> like like I listened back to that episode and I was like, wow, yeah, no, we didn't come close to spoiling no nothing. It was just us being like, man, we love it so much, man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, thanks for listening to yeah. this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Katie, who are we talking about today? Okay, well, in honor of the new Star Wars movie... Star Wars music playing... I used to play that on the piano. 
I knew Someone Like You by Adele, and I knew the Star Wars theme song. That's what my family grew up with me listening listening to me play that on the piano nonstop. Yeah. Like, they go well oh, together, yeah. so. It's good. It's a classic, yeah. classic tune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. <gasps> Who is he? I don't know. I, I don't know. know. Carrie Fisher. Uh, <laughs> do you want to do Carrie first? Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. This is like in con- really continuing our our Carrie theme that we've been on. Yeah, we've been, Yeah, this is Carrie part two. This is the third Carrie. of Carrie's diaries. So first Carrie, then Harry. Yeah. Next, we're gonna just talk about the movie Carrie, <laughs> and uh, that's our other podcast. That that dress I got from for uh, that Christmas party I went to looks like Carrie's prom dress. So oh. I'm thinking about just staging like an event where I get covered in pig's blood. Oh, that's true. I actually have been wearing that dress when you're not home and oh, just um, like pouring like different types of spaghetti sauce onto oh, myself. Will you take it to the dry cleaners for me? Just because. Um, yeah, about so that it it's fresh for, for the next yeah, blood dumping. For the next blood dump. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so sorry that I started talking about Carrie. Anyway. You said blood dump. Blood <laughs> dump. Oh my god. Oh no. Now we're talking um, about hemorrhoids. It's a whole thing. Okay, okay great. I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> Alright, so Carrie Fisher. Um yeah, so I just read her um one of her memoirs called Wishful Drinking, Ooh, which she wrote yeah. she 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 like adapted this stage show the same title and then it was so successful that mm-hmm. she ended up turning it into a book um and then i think they made like a like a documentary kind of like an hbo like, special yeah which i watched you did one oh. night yes yeah i, mean, I want to watch it it's good but um it it's good. amazing she i mean you guys probably know this but she struggled her whole life with um bipolar disorder and um eating disorders and substance abuse but she is so smart and so funny and so candid about her, all of her life experiences um so and uh, just like a fantastic writer so it was a really <coughs> really fun read uh and just i mean just fascinating her life is fascinating heads up i'm dying sorry yeah we're I'm, if we're I'm... a little sick over here um, I'm just trying to save up enough money to send to my young daughter, uh, Cosette. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, your husband was killed. Yeah, and um, and the yeah. some there are dreams that cannot be no, and there are coughs we cannot weather. No, I I hope you guys can weather these coughs because they're going to be frequent and dry and sad. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm like a little broken. Okay, I'm I'm like a little broken you, toy, a little oh. squeaky toy. Oh. All right, squeakers. I'm trying to talk about the princess. Okay, go Leia. keep going. Okay, okay. Lay it on me. So, um, basically, Carrie Fisher was born to Hollywood royalty, America's sweethearts, uh, Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher, in 1956, October 21st. So I think that makes her a Libra. I just like I just like <laughs> to mention that. Oh my gosh, for Leia people the who Libra. are into it. Yes. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I should have probably looked that up. But anyway, so yeah. So the way she describes it, which is kind of perfect, is they were basically the Brangelina of their time. But if Brangelina had had, uh, or sorry, not Brangelina. They were basically like Brad Pitt and uh, Jennifer Aniston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if they had ended up like having kids together. 
Yeah. Yeah. God, so, those babies would have been good looking. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. There's and still just time. Like, and, like, little time capsules. Like, they never age. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, Debbie Reynolds, uh, best known for uh, her work in... Um, I mean, she was Hollywood sweetheart. She was in so much. But probably best known for singing in the rain and now Halloween town and Halloween town. Oh my God. That's right. <laughs> she is great. Lest Hon- we forget. Lest we forget. Oh my God. She's amazing. So yeah, Debbie Reynolds. Um, and then Eddie Fisher, who was like a popular singer at the time. Um, okay. So this story is crazy. I just want to tell it because it's so crazy. And you know, I think kind of informs a lot of how, Carrie went through her life and her relationships. But anyway, so in 1958, so Carrie's like two years old. So basically, Debbie and Eddie, her parents, had this really close relationship with another Hollywood superstar couple, Mike Todd and Elizabeth Taylor, to the point where, like, you know, they were like, uh, when Mike Todd and Elizabeth Taylor got married, her dad, Eddie, is the best man, and her mom, Debbie, is, like, the matron of honor. Oh, uh, so cute. Right? They were, like, best friends. And they even, um, uh, Carrie Fisher's brother, Todd, was named for Mike Todd. Yeah. Um, but... Dang. In the, uh, so they're half Jewish, and in the Jewish religion, it's considered bad luck to name someone after somebody who's still alive. And Ooh, what do you know, know poor Mike Todd dies in a plane crash. Dang. Yeah. So now Elizabeth Taylor's a widow, and she's very upset. So <sighs> who goes to comfort her with his penis? Oh, Eddie Fisher. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So Eddie leaves Debbie for Elizabeth Taylor, but then Elizabeth Taylor ends up leaving him for her Cleopatra co-star. Um, whose name is uh, Richard Burton. Yes. As I know from the uh, Lindsay Lohan yeah. Lifetime film. Right, yeah. Liz and Dick. Liz and Dick. And as we all know, that was a tumultuous on-again, off-again relationship, which in her book she just, like, has... She's just very funny about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. About Hollywood uh, incest, as she calls it, and how many times it's like, you know... Then they had fond memories of each other. So what do they do? They get married again. So there's uh, a lot of like this Hollywood, like everyone's divorcing and then getting back together. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. So anyway, so at a young age, her dad very scandalously leaves her mom for Elizabeth Taylor. So this is more like the Brangelina situation. Totally. Except it doesn't really work out between them. So, but yeah, Carrie notes, she's like, you know, basically her dad is probably an undiagnosed manic depressive like herself. Um, he was ended up being married six times, bankrupt four times. Uh, he once bought 200 suits in Hong Kong. There's very manic, kind of this bipolar behavior. So that's where she says, you know, it's hereditary, and she thinks that that's where she got it from. Jeez, how do you even get 200 suits back from Hong Kong? <sighs> I don't know. He was, One of his wives was... Um, was from Hong Kong, so he spent a lot of time over there, and then, I guess, went yeah. on a shopping spree. So anyway, when, uh, when 1959, so Carrie's like three years old, her mom, Debbie, remarries, uh, for one of multiple times, uh, remarries Harry Carl, who is a shoe tycoon. Oh. Very exciting stuff. 
Uh, Founder of the Skechers brand. Yeah. So she describes him as a, he was not good looking and he was much older, but they describe when you're rich, uh, but not attractive, they describe you as being uh, distinguished looking. So he was uh, very distinguished looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Apparently yeah. he farted a lot, so whenever her friends would come over, they oh, would yeah. make fun of him. But they were distinguished farts. Yeah, distinguished farts. They were like, <laughs> monogrammed, <laughs> coming through monogrammed pants. Oh. Uh, but this guy ended up being a dick and spending secretly spending all of Reynolds' life savings. Oh. They, this family, she was, poor Debbie was screwed over a lot by men in her life. Oh, Debbie. Yeah. But, um, so Carrie, she, she uh, describes herself as a, a bookworm growing up. She's always loved, uh, you know, classic literature, writing poetry. She's always been a writer. Um, she and her brother grew up idolizing their mother. Um, and they, you know, they would miss her cause she was gone a lot. She's this huge celebrity. So whenever she'd be home, they would just sit and watch her, like get ready to go out and like the whole process and very glamorous and you know, Carrie was like, I remember as a kid being like, oh, like, when am I going to be beautiful like my mom? And then oh. she had this day where she was like, oh, I'm never going to be as beautiful as her, so I better be smart and funny. Oh, uh, not true. To compensate. And I'm like, that's so sad because she is beautiful. Yeah. But I can imagine, like, you know, having somebody who's just idolized yeah, yeah. as this beauty icon, mm. how hard it would be comparing yourself. But, I mean... As a result, she is incredibly smart and funny. So, yeah. But anyway, so that that was something that kind of was like a theme in her early childhood was just feeling like, oh, I'll never compare beauty wise to wow. my mom. That's pretty mature to like arrive at the conclusion that you're just like, yeah. well, I've got something else working for me right, too. Right. Right. So um, let's see. So in 1971, she's 15. Um, she drops out of high school and moves to New York. Uh, to be in the chorus of Irene, which was a Broadway musical that was starring her mom. So basically oh. her mom's like, come with me. Like, I'm going to, you know, she's like, I want you to be in the family business. So come be a chorus girl. Huh. So she's 15. She's already like going out on the town at night with the, the older cast members, trying to pretend like she's not the youngest one in the cast. Yeah. So, like, around this time, she starts smoking a lot of pot. Um, As one does yeah. when they're starring in their mom's right. musical on Broadway. But, it, you know, for her, it's, you know, some people, when we use pot recreationally, it goes fine. For her, it was more like, I'm doing this to suppress my, you know, at the time, undiagnosed, you know, manic depression yeah, yeah, yeah. that she was starting to experience. Um, and she started going to therapy at this time, but no one would ever diagnose her. As bipolar. It just was, wasn't a thing back then. Yeah. And because she was famous, I think that had a lot to do with it. No one wanted to... It's also hard to diagnose it is. before yes. you have an episode or right, something Right, right. Uh, so, so basically, the pot smoking starts at an early age, and I just, I note that because that, because she started smoking pot so young, she quickly moved into heavier things. At a young age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, like, back then, it wasn't, like, the same, like, warnings of those heavier things. Yeah. You know, it was kind of, like, gray area. Right, because, I mean, it's the 70s. Like, everybody's doing acid, LSD, everybody's doing drugs. Jeez. And when you're rich, obviously, it's very easy to get your hands on this stuff. What a time to be alive. Yeah. So, uh, 1973, she's 17. Her mom wants to bring distinction to the family. Um, and so she sends Carrie off to be classically trained at London's Central School of Speech and Drama, uh, which is, you know, a very nationally acclaimed 
acting school in London. Um, and she was there for 18 months, and she describes it as some of the best times of her life because, you know, nobody knew who she was. They weren't, like, constantly being like, oh, like, what's it like to be, like, the daughter of a movie star? Yeah. You know, she wasn't constantly being followed by paparazzi when she went out in public. Yeah. And she loved the training. She just loved the program. Uh, so... In 1975, she's back in the States, she's 19, and she makes her film debut in a comedy called Shampoo. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I know Shampoo. Yeah, yeah. From I Love the 70s. <laughs> so that was, like, her big debut, and she was, like, she had a little, like, part in it and was very well-received. Yeah. So also around this time, she books a little movie called Star Wars. Oh, my gosh. Hold on one second. Um, wait, but Shampoo... I, I know this through the um, You Must Remember This podcast, the one, the one about, like, Charles Manson. Uh-huh. Shampoo is about one of the guys, uh, Jay Sebring, like, the guy who was murdered with Sharon Tate oh. by the Manson family. Like, it's based on it's based on this, like, sexy, heterosexual, like, male hairstylist who, like, does hair for women and all of the boyfriends think he's gay, but he's not gay, and then he, like, hooks up with them. Oh, shit. And it's, like, based on this guy's actual life. Like, oh, cool. Like, he was actually, like, this little, like, tycoon uh, barber. Kind of like that Adam Sandler movie. Um, you Don't Mess With The, the Zone. zone. <laughs> Such a weird movie. Yeah, that movie was bad. Yeah. But Mariah Carey was in it, so. She was? Yeah, she has, like, a little, because, like, the whole movie, this he, his whole thing is he's, like, obsessed with Mariah Carey, and then she has, like, a little cameo at the end. Oh, my gosh. That, that was during is... the, the Mimi Renaissance. I think. Oh, God, like, I don't know. That the time. Emancipation. Emancipation. I think she's in New York right now. Oh my! Let's find her. I know, right? <laughs> Bring her here. I think she's pretty easy. Uh, Star Wars. Okay, so yeah, so Star Wars. Okay, so Woo. I know she's not even twenty yet, but I think it's important to note that like all this is happening because mm-hmm. it all like I think informs her later life and also like I mean she was nineteen when she booked Star Wars. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, and it her life was already crazy by she's, fame, but I haven't even gotten into her. She 20s. hasn't even like like yeah like. Damn, girl. There are, like, Pez dispensers of her face. I had a like Pez that. dispenser of her face. Yeah, exactly. Pez Egg, from her mouth. Exactly. So, like, her life was already very, like, much affected by celebrity. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it blew up even more, like, that, I mean, it just drastically changes her life. Yeah. All right. So, 19, she uh, books Star Wars. And she's she describes it as a very stressful process because she's up against all these, like, what she says is, like, really beautiful actresses. Yeah. And again, like, she's beautiful, but she never, like, considered herself to be classically beautiful in, this, yeah. in the same way. But So she's up against Amy Irving, um, who's an actress. She's known for winning the Academy Award for Best oh, Supporting shit. Actress for the movie Yentl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, classic film. Uh, Terry Nunn, who's a singer-actress. She's a lead singer of the band Berlin. Um, Cindy Williams, who played Shirley on the popular sitcom Laverne and Shirley. My mom loved that show. Oh, I used to watch that show. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's on PBS. Uh, <laughs> oh, and I found out that Cindy Williams played Mrs. Tottendale in the Broadway musical The Drowsy Chaperone. Do oh, you know that show? I, I know of it. I love that show. Oh, and then another actress who was up for the role was Karen Allen, who, you know, don't worry, don't feel bad for her that she didn't get it, because she ended up making her big break as Marion Ravenwood in the Indiana Jones movie. Oh my gosh, she's such a babe. Yeah. She's got a nice Right? So that's what, like, Carrie Fisher is, like, 
was so self-conscious because she's up against all these babes. Yeah, yeah, babes. Oh, and the role was actually offered to Jodie Foster. Oh my gosh. But she turned it down because she already had a contract with Disney. And because her mom was kind of like, oh, like you're known as this like great actress. Like you shouldn't be doing something like Star Wars. Oh gosh, go yeah. Jodie Foster's mom because I really like Carrie Fisher. Oh yeah, no, it, I can't imagine I'm Jodie very, Foster right? as Leia. I mean, it would have been cool, but like, it, it had to be Carrie Fisher. Yeah, no, she so was meant think, to be Clarice. Yeah. The universe worked out the way it was supposed to, and okay, but this is the fucked up part that I think a lot of people have heard, but still worth mentioning. They offer her the role on the condition that she lose ten pounds. Okay, and do you want to hear what's really screwed up? At what? the time, she only weighed 105 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Right? So, like, losing 10 pounds, she would have been 95 pounds. Like, that's, like, really skinny. Yeah. Like, I don't know how tall she is, Do but Do they have still, snacks in space? I don't know. So, and so she jokes that she carried most of the weight in her face. Just because she's a naturally wide face. Yeah. So, of course, George Lucas gives her the worst possible hairdo for someone with a wide face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two donut buns on the side of her head. Yeah, yeah, So she was like, but I was too nervous to say anything because I was so, I was constantly under the fear that I was going to get fired for being too fat. Ugh. How fucked up is that? Isn't that it is fun really to be a woman up. in Hollywood? God. But something that is cute is, um... You know, her mom was about the same age as her when she shot her big movie, Singing in the Rain, mm-hmm. which was her opposite to men. Same as Star Wars. Yeah. And a Wookiee. There's a Wookiee in Singing in the Rain. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, it's in the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so great. So yeah, uh, you know, it was a... It was an amazing time of her life, but also, like, a really stressful time of her life. Um, I haven't... I didn't get the chance to read it, but she just released another memoir that is The Princess Diarist that's about her experience, like, filming Star Wars. And in it, she reveals that she and Harrison Ford, who was married at the time, to um, Mary Marquard. They had, like, a three-month affair during the filming of it. So that's, like, new news. Like, that just came out in the book that she put put out. Um, so, yeah. If you were wondering, it's true. They Good for done. her for not taking that secret to her grave. Because it's fun for us to find out these things. Yeah. Thank you for spilling the tea. Yeah. <laughs> um, Some good tea. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, so by this point, her early 20s, she's, like, basically, she's, like, okay, yeah, so... Pot wasn't really doing it for me anymore, so I started doing, like, hallucinogens. Right. And by this point, she's moved on to, like, painkillers. She's taking pills. She's drinking a lot. And she describes her her drug abuse as um, it was her way of keeping the monster in the box. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, because, you know, she just, she would have this mania. And just to be able to get through the day of the filming, she would just have to kind of numb herself with all these pills and drugs. Um... A lot of yeah. people say you can tell that she's on drugs in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Well, she says during that, during Empire Strikes Back is when she started, like, doing a lot of cocaine. Oh. In addition to everything else. And to the point where people were like, so, like, yeah, we all do cocaine, but you're doing a lot of cocaine. Oh. Do you ever wonder, like, when you watch a movie, sometimes I'll stare at their mouth and I'll be like, what did they eat for lunch that day? Right? That's, like, a really weird... Yeah, that's weird. Well, especially when they have to, like, look so teeny tiny yeah like, but she was have... you know she was bulimic at this time like 
yeah. Yeah, it was, just, it was really busy. hard. That sucks. Uh, also, this was a funny little anecdote she had. <laughs> George Lucas was like, you can't wear a bra under that costume. And she's like, what? Why? And he was like, there's no underwear in space. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, uh. and, and apparently she like talked about that in her show and he came and saw the show and then had to like follow up and like justify it. And he was like, well, when you go into outer space, like when you go into orbit, like your body expands. Oh my gosh. So if you were wearing a bra, it would like be like constricting or like pop off of you. George Lucas, then why does anybody wear other clothes? Bras aren't the only thing that right? pop off. Yeah. Also she wears, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. No. And also imagine it in his voice. Yeah. Well, there's no bras in space. Oh, you can't wear a bra. I'm like, yeah. So basically she had to like wear gaffer's tape. Oh my gosh. Yeah, to, like, like Lady Gaga. Boobs. Yeah. Which would fucking hurt. If yeah. you don't know what gaffer's tape is, it's just like kind of the uh, the production. It's like electrical tape, but with yeah. like gauze on it, kind of. Yeah. Right? It's just used. It's used in theater. It's used in film sets. It's just like the tape. Anyway, it's not something you want to put on your nipples. Poor Carrie. Uh, I mean, some people might. I mean, yeah. If you're into it, actually, yeah. maybe. But it just sounds painful, especially if it's on all day. She's, like, doing all these stunts. Yeah. Ugh. But anyway. All right. So she's, like... I mean, she's, like, 20 while they're filming this. Jeez. She's young. Like, she's really, really young. Um... Okay, so 1977, when she's 21, she starts dating Paul Simon. Um, oh, yeah. Who's much older than her, but she says, you know, they just they just shared this love for words. So she's always loved Aww. poetry, and he is, like, the poet. Like, he's... Mm-hmm. So, he's awesome. Yeah. And um, she says... She describes meeting him as meeting someone from her tribe. So I Aww. think it's kind of like this idea of, like, there's a bunch of soulmates for you out there. Yeah. And they're all... It's kind of this, like, you know, ancient cultures often describe, like, everyone is part of a tribe. Mm-hmm. And um, you live your life trying to find the other members of your tribe. Mm-hmm. So he was that for her. And they have this on and off again relationship for like seven years. And then eventually they like try being married. It lasts like 11 months. And then they get divorced. Mm-hmm. And they end up getting back together again for, like, a brief period of time. They didn't get remarried like most of the people in her life did. Yeah. She at least learned that much from them. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, done. It's but, done, though. But, yeah, it was very on and again, off again. So there are a lot of Paul Simon songs about her and their relationship. Oh, I want to um, know which ones specifically. But I'll look that up later. I know. I was like, I should write them down, and then I forgot to. Oh, uh, um, I love Paul Simon. Yeah, he's great. So, yeah, so they had this on-again, off-again relationship. So, in 1980, she's, like, 24. Finally, a doctor diagnoses her as bipolar. But they only diagnose her as being bipolar 1, when later she would find out that she's bipolar 2. Oh, so that's, uh, she's more depressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just more intense, requires more care and treatment, and just, it just wasn't what she was getting. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, but, I mean, she's just partying a lot. At this point in the 80s, she's starting to film other movies. Um, she was in When Harry Met Sally. Love uh, that. Yes. She was so good in that. She looks great in that right? movie. Right? She does look awesome. Ugh. Love that haircut. Love her. Yes. Um, and then she uh, was in Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. So, you know you have a problem when, like, 
you're partying with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and they tell you that like you, you maybe chill have out. to chill out oh my gosh but uh yeah I mean she was just a big partier so obviously there's a lot of partying on the set of Blues Brothers one night she was so high that Dan Aykroyd made her eat something and then she actually started choking on Brussels sprouts and he like gave her the Heimlich maneuver and Shut saved her up. life and then uh, proposed to her uh, <laughs> yeah and did they get married? Well, they were, like, about to, and then she went back to New York to work on a play and started dating Paul Simon again. Because this is, like, during the on-again, off-again. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is all during, like, their on-again, off-again period. Oh, my gosh. Um, Can you imagine if a Brussels sprout killed Carrie Fisher? Yeah. That would God. be... The lamest oof. way to die. You know, she got not, real high uh, and she choked on a Brussels sprout, man. I don't know but what what's happened. sad is, like, it's not the first time she almost died. Oh. Yeah. Um... So, in 1982, she's 26. 82. Wait, what did I say? 92. Oh, sorry, 1982. Anyway, in 1982, she marries Paul Simon, and like I said, that lasts 11 months, and then they get a divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, Then in 1985, she's 29, um, she actually had a few months of sobriety. Oh, nice. But then uh, one night she accidentally overdoses on a combination of prescription meds and sleeping pills. So she ends up having to go to the hospital and get her stomach pumped. And so after that is when they finally put her in rehab. Um, Mm. But this ends up being what would inspire her first kind of autobiographical novel, Postcards from the Edge. Oh, yeah. So this was her, like, break into writing. And... um, it was really well received, and she ends up turning it into a screenplay, the, the movie starring Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep mm-hmm. and Shirley MacLaine. Yep. Yep. I think, yep. And uh, yeah, I know. I really, really. I haven't seen it. it. I know. I feel like I'd really enjoy this movie. Yeah, but it's like it's just like all inspired from her time in rehab and her experiences, and a lot of people asked her why she didn't play the title character, and she's like because I already have. Yeah. It was my life. Yeah. I don't need to do it again. Yeah, and if anyone's going to play you, like Meryl Streep's... Like, yeah. I would, I would gladly watch Meryl Streep... Right. ...portray me in the worst part of my life. Um, she yeah. She won an Oscar for that. Yeah. I, would, I have a lot of complicated faces that she'd have to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, sorry, I'm trying to, like, remember where I was. Oh, okay. So... So this kind of, now, after the success of Postcards from the Edge, she's now, you know, taking on this new role as a screenwriter in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. She, like, um, she assists with a lot of popular scripts um, and writes some more of her own, uh, writes some more books. Um, From 1991 to 1994, she's in a relationship with um, this talent agent, Brian Lord, in 92, they have a daughter together, Billy Lord. Little Billy. Uh, but in 94, Brian comes out as bisexual and leaves her for a man. Oh, man. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. <gasps> so that was like a big... Dang. Scandal. Yeah. Carrie Fisher can't really catch a break. Jeez. She's struggling a lot. Um, Ariana Huffington had that happen to her, too. Yeah. Dang. It happens. So, yeah. Basically... She struggled a lot, you know, that, so the, by this time she's like in her mid thirties. And so uh, this is kind of where I like stopped off in my research, but from listening to her book, like, you know, she's like, yes, I love AA. I love the program. I'm not good at it. 
but uh-huh. I respect it and I like it and I try to go as much as I can. And she's like, you know, I still drink, you know, I still will do pills from time to time. I have my slips. I'm not perfect. But for the most part, she has, has it under control. Um, around the time when she was doing this play, like 2007, 2008, and writing the book, Wishful Drinking, she had undergone ECT. Mm-hmm. It's like electric shock therapy. Oh my God. Uh, By her own choice? She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, dang. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, you know, obviously freaked out about it because all we really know about it is like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. But it actually like worked for her. She oh. was felt really good about it. She likes it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, you know, being a writer, being a mom, it has really helped her. She did uh, when Billy was, all right, so what year would have this been? So when Billy was eight, so in 2000. like 2000, she had like kind of the manic episode that forced her to have to go into like a mental institution for a while. Oh. Basically, she was didn't sleep for six nights in a row. Oh, man. And she got into this manic episode where she was watching, there was like an ongoing police like case chase thing going on. They were like hunting for the serial killer. Oh, my god. And gosh. she convinced herself that she was the serial killer and the cops. So she was going back and forth of thinking, like, I, oh, my God, they're going to catch me, and, like, oh, my God, we need to catch him. And basically she just had, like, a a mental break. Damn. Yeah. So after that happened, that's when they put her into a mental, mental institution for a bit, and then, you know, she started moving towards treatment that she really needed. But it's an ongoing battle, but she has been amazing. Like she speaks very openly about mental illness and, you know, because she's like, we don't really talk about it enough in this country and people need to know. And, um, she has this really awesome quote about it that I kind of want to like wrap things up about her on, but she says, living with manic depression takes a tremendous amount of balls. It's like going to war, but inside of yourself. Um, it is an all consuming, challenge and requires stamina and courage and her message to other people uh you know with mental illness is if you're living with this illness and functioning at all that's something to be proud of and not ashamed of she thinks they should issue medals along with the steady stream of medication Uh that somebody who's manic depressive has to take yeah i'm all about that yeah and i totally agree with that i mean you know i people there's so much stigma around mental illness and kind of a sense of shame, but she's right. I mean, if you can just get through the day, you know, if you can be functioning and figure out how to make it work for you, that is incredibly yeah, admirable. Yeah, should really embrace those people. Yeah. That's and she, brave. you know, and she's, she did like a list of all the other celebrities that had bipolar mm-hmm. disorder and all the other celebrities who were also in AA, so... She calls, like, the double whammies. <laughs> but, you know, it, it affects a lot of people. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of artists. Because, yeah. like, the thing about mania is, like, sometimes it's good for the creative process. You know, you can be on, like, a peak and be really productive and working really hard and feeling really, really good. It's just that it's either, like, a really high peak or a really low valley, and you don't know when it's going to change. Yeah. So nothing... She, the way she described it was, like, nothing about your circumstances change. It's just the way that you perceive them changes. And it's out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think that's... What's so cool about her, her is that with these stories we tell about these people, it kind of feels like 
when we're done telling them, it gets to this point where we want to be like, and then they were great. Like, right. the rest is history. And, like, you see with her, like, yeah, she did achieve, like, notoriety and success at a young age, but she's been she's been growing through right. all of that. Well, I, yeah, I think she's, like, really interesting and different from the people we talked about so far in that, you know, she kind of started famous and, mm-hmm. like, quote-unquote successful. But to her, success... You know, she sometimes she says she's like, I kind of wish I had never done Star Wars because you know that crazy amount of fame, I think, like really fucked with me and made things a lot worse for me and yeah. and delayed my ability to figure out how to help myself yeah. deal with this illness. So I think her success story is not the kind of success we've been talking to up until this point about you know like career success. It's actually more like surviving, you know, mental health success yeah. and. And yeah, just personal fulfillment and awareness and yeah, overcoming these challenges and, and just channeling it into art that's like productive for you. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she's just, she's just like very different from anyone we talked about so far and that she kind of, she started famous. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't, the fame wasn't that the goal to be worked towards. The grass is not always greener on the other side, fam. Don't wish yeah. that your mom was a movie star. Yeah. Because there's a lot, oh my god, part of the book, she just does this whole, like, family tree of, like, who was married to who, and when, and when did they divorce, and how many people did they sleep with, and who cheated on who, and it's just, woo, it's a lot. Complicated. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so Carrie Fisher, we love you, we're proud of you, thank you for sharing your stories. And we love your dog, Gary. From all of your interviews. (laughs) I don't know if you know Gary, but Gary and I go way back. I don't know Gary I've, that I've well. I've YouTubed her real hard. Yeah. When The Force Awakens came out, she, like, did all these um, tours, like, press tours, and she was bringing her little dog, and it's one of those Aww. dogs that has the tongue that can't come back in his mouth. Yes! Oh, my gosh. I love those he's, dogs. He's a little bulldog. Oh, he's so cute. You need to, yeah. Check that shit out. I'm gonna look him up. All right. So now we're gonna jump on over to Harrison Ford. Yay. Oh, yeah. All right. So Harrison Ford's a little older than Care Care, Care Bear. Um... He was born on July 13th, 1942. And just for you, Katie, I looked it up, and he is a cancer. Yeah. Oh, Katie Oh, sorry. Just... I just looked up her dog. Ter- and not yeah. only is it a French bulldog, which I'm obsessed with, but his tongue is fully hanging out of his mouth. He has a Twitter <gasps> account, so I recommend you hop oh on that. Oh, my God. I'm going to And him. I think he has an Instagram. It's either Twitter or an Instagram. I think he has a Twitter. Um, oh, my God. This yeah. dog. It's Adorable. her therapy dog. Oh yeah, Which it's awesome. at Gary underscore the dog. Oh on my Twitter. god, we're gonna we're gonna follow him. All right, guys. Um, yeah, Harrison Ford, uh, born July thirteenth, nineteen forty-two. He's a cancer, Katie. Oh. Um, in Illinois, to Christopher Ford, uh, an advertising executive and former actor, and Dorothy, Nee Nadelman, a former radio actress, and um, Dorothy's parents. So. Harrison Ford's maternal grandparents um, were uh, Jewish immigrants from Belarus during World War II. But his dad was Irish Catholic, so he was kind of raised in both of those worlds. And when people ask him, he's like, well, as a man, I feel Irish. And as an actor, I feel Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He actually... Harrison Ford really reminds me of uh, my grandpa, my dad's dad, because Mm -hmm. um, they're both from, like, the Midwest, and they have that kind of, like manly, gruff, like, yeah. matter-of-fact, like, kind of Clint Eastwood situation yeah. going on. It's 
it is very funny uh, to watch interviews with him because he reminds me a lot of my papa. Wait, that just reminded me of something. Um, do you want to know who else was being considered for the role of Han Solo? My grandpa? Yes. Oh, my God! And Christopher Walken. Oh, right, I knew that. <laughs> Can you oh imagine? My God. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, no, I'm glad that did not happen. I know, it were, everything Jeez, worked Louise. out. Christopher jo- Walken. Star Wars, sorry, Jodie Foster and Christopher Walken. <laughs> oh, my God. No, Christopher Walken just was, he was always destined to be Colonel Angus from oh, SNL. Yeah. That was his dream role. Yeah. Um, and more cowbell. More cowbell. Um, yeah, Harrison Ford was an active Boy Scout and uh, made it all the way to the rank of Life Scout. Oh, wow. So Harrison and I have that in common. <gasps> You're a Life Scout? I'm... I think. I, I'm either a <laughs> life or a star. I'm pretty sure I'm a life. What's the highest one you can be? Eagle. So oh. life is right before eagle. Oh, 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 okay. Um, I think I knew that. Eagle yeah, it's, it's hard to be a Boy Scout. Yeah. A lot goes into it. You have to take so many merit badge classes. Yeah, well, once you get past a certain age, it gets, like, legit. It gets legit, and everybody That's in your group, like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, no, every, I don't know. It, it, it became... Like mathletes for Mean Girls for me to be in. Yeah, <laughs> it's too, it's too much. Yeah, it was just a lot. Um, Social suicide. Well, I was like, me and my brother were like, Dad, like you're a park ranger, like just take us camping yeah. with you. Like we don't need we to don't go with go like forty five kids. I had to dig a latrine once. Oh yeah. Like uh, I had to dig a hole to poop in, and we were in the backyard of a church, and I was like, guys, there's you're a like, bathroom no. right there. Why See, I had to, to do that once, but we were hole. like legitimately backpacking on the Appalachian Trail. Oh my god, you pooped in a hole? Yeah. Yeah. I'm inspired. Yeah, yeah, Oh, my gosh. I've seen things. <laughs> yeah. Including <laughs> my, my poop felt them. in the dirt, and, which I then buried yeah. in yeah. this little shovel. Jeez. That's awesome. Yeah. I miss uh, camping. Yeah. Let's go Let's go poop in a hole. We can do that. There's when, a community come, garden right next to, to our apartment. <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Aww. I'm going to go plans. hang with Katie. Okay. Um, so, yeah. He was a Boy Scout, and actually they incorporated that into uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He and oh. Steven Spielberg decided to make, uh, in a flashback scene, Indiana was a little Life Scout. Aww. So really cute. Um, when he was 17, he was the sportscaster on his high school radio station, WMTH, which was one of the first high school radio stations in the country, and it's still operating today, so there's still like awesome high schoolers. Oh. I listened to it for a little bit. It sounded like they were playing like seventies rock. So it sounds like it's maybe Harrison's still there spinning. Yeah, I wonder spinning if he records. ever goes back. Yeah, Does he, like guest appearances. There was nothing about him on the high school website. Oh, so I don't not. know why. Yeah, he you seems think they to would have want a little to brag bit of a. That. Yeah, he and also like you know how we were talking about young uh, Drew Carey as being a babe. Mm-hmm. Young Harrison Ford was not like mega attractive like he really? kind of looked creepy wait i'm gonna look him up um in his college photo um he went to rip on college i hope i'm saying that right in wisconsin when he was 18 um in 1960 as a philosophy major which totally makes sense i feel like that is right on tr- like track with the grandpa feeling yeah yeah doesn't he look kind of like oh with the short hair yeah with his short hair he looks a little bit like the kid who like wears camo and like yeah. Has a Tamagotchi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Tamagotchi, I don't know so much, but like, yeah. He definitely is meant to have the longer, scruffy hair. Yeah, yeah. Look. He looks good with the long hair. Uh, um, he's a babe. You know what? Everybody just, it takes some time to grow into your face. You I know? think like, I did not find him attractive as a kid watching those movies, but oh. I think it's something like, 
Like when you become like older, you're like, oh yeah, he's yeah, yeah. a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a whiskey. Yeah, like I needed situation. to like grow into being attracted to him. Yes. Um, <sighs> so he goes to Ripon College. He's a philosophy major and he's a member of Sigma Nu fraternity. Mm. Um, and then he takes Delta Nu. Delta Nu. He was a Delta Nu. Um, he was uh, in his last semester at Ripon when he decided that he was going to take an acting class just to get some credits yeah and he loved it and he was really good at it that was his first you know he'd been a newscaster on the radio but he right. never done acting and he loved it so much that he dropped out of college oh, right before graduation snap. and joined a uh a theater troupe oh wow so that is really like a classic thespian tale yeah ran away with the circus like he brad really pitt did. actually did the same thing did really you? brad pitt was studying journalism and ah. quit two weeks before graduation because he was like I'm gonna go to LA yeah well I'm let's just be glad that they did well that's how it works out for everybody who quits college like right Right? before it always works out it always works out and (laughs) I'm really regretting now that I didn't do that yeah I think if I had quit college right before graduating you'd have found success yeah 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 um, actually, so I looked up what the current tuition is. I don't know what it was in 1960, but in 19 or in 2016, it costs $50,000 a year to go to Ripon College in Wisconsin. So wow. pretty fancy place. Um, or, you know, just normal. I don't know what it's like to go to college right now anymore. I'm sure it's, everything's expensive. Um, they should just have college at like the dollar store, you know, it yeah. costs a dollar. That'd be nice. Yeah. I think... I think we've got a business plan going now. Yeah, come come to our college. It's one dollar. The dollar college. It's the dollar tree. Yeah, dollar tree you. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's lots of We're old Milano's cookies. We're going to follow the, the business cookies. model of Trump University. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be really good. Yeah. It's going to be really, really good. And it's totally real. Totally real. <laughs> um, so then... Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, so he, he drops out of college at 22. Okay. And uh, also is on his way to a job interview. I'm not sure what the job was, but he's fiddling with his seatbelt and gets in a car accident and gets a cute little horizontal scar on his chin, uh, which, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but in Indiana Jones, they, like, make a joke about it, that it, he got it from, like, practicing with his whip. But oh. it was really just a boring little fender bender injury. So, wow. Um, he also at this time marries uh, his college sweetheart, who we were talking about earlier, Mary Markhart. Oh. Um, that's so she wasn't an actress. She's just like a home girl from Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, they stay together um, until 1979. So they divorced a little bit after the Gary Fisher thing. Yeah. Um, but they have two kids together, uh, Ben and Willard. Um, and then so also when he's 22, so 22 is a big age for him. He moves to LA, um, after doing that summer with the theater troupe in Wisconsin, the Belfry players. So in 1964, 1964, he's on his way to LA and, uh, he's applying for a bunch of different jobs, like a couple of radio voiceover jobs, um, doesn't get them and stays in Cali. And, uh, then Columbia pictures picks him up for a $150 a week contract $150 a week mm-hmm. for him to be like just basically a background actor in a bunch of different movies and uh-huh. all of most of these movies go uncredited so feasibly 
you could watch movies from Columbia Pictures from this time period and just keep an eye out for Harrison Ford. Wow. Sounds like a pretty drawn-out drinking game. Yeah. Um, his really first... Dedicated <laughs> really, really have to be the Really, it. really dedicated Harrison Ford fans out no there. No one drink until we see yeah. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Mom, this movie is so boring. So sober. <laughs> Um, it's 10 a.m. Uh, his first known role was um, as a bellhop in this movie called Dead Heat on the Merry-Go-Round, which sounds like most of my time as a child in the 90s, just being really hot on one of those crappy little merry-go-rounds. Yeah. 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 Not, like a, not like a horse merry-go-round, like the scary one that somebody pushes and you get on it. Uh... Because they're aluminum, they get the so awesome hot. Ones. No, I have a horrible fear of spinning and always vomit. <laughs> so oh, I that was a torturous spinning. experience. Because I was scared of like the heights thing. Like I was too scared of roller coasters. So yeah, I got yeah. my adrenaline rush from like being spun around really fast. Oh my gosh! Like I'm, the the wave swinger, the like the swing ride. Yes. Or those little things you sit in and spin and it goes mm-hmm. around. Sit and spins. Yeah. I have the. Oh, the, you know what? That was my. Jam. It's Christmas. I'm gonna tell my sit and spin story because it's a Christmas story. Yeah. Okay, guys. Christmas 2004. uh, I was 12 years old. Okay. Um, or maybe 11. And yeah, I was 11. And uh, my cousin William, my little cousin, got a sit and spin for Christmas. And this was Christmas Eve, so Mm -hmm. we all got to unwrap one present. William was probably like, "Mm," he was four years old. He gets the sit and spin, and he unwraps it. And. Being a weird little spazzy 11-year-old, I had just drank probably four full bottles of Martinelli's sparkling apple cider. Oh, my God. So perfect was, storm. <laughs> turn as hell. And, uh, Sugar high. Also, no one knew that William had brought the stomach flu with him from <gasps> his preschool uh, no. to our family gathering. William, you're setting everyone up for disaster. No. Um, he's a senior in high school now. Hey, William. What's up? Or no, he might be junior or soft. I don't know. I'm already feeling uncomfortable that I'm talking about somebody else's kid on my podcast. Um, he, so, so I commandeer the sit and spin for my own personal joy and just spin and spin and spin and spin. And that led to me simultaneously, uh, vomiting, realizing that I had the stomach flu. So it was like, I don't know if it was the sit and spin that caused the vomiting or the fact that I just had acquired a virus. Yeah. Um, but then was vomiting into a plastic bag on the way home from Christmas Eve church service. Oh, no. It was like an hour and a half drive, so real traumatic. Yeah. Uh, My sister wrote a letter to Santa Claus praying that I would get better. That was her (gasps) Christmas wish. Oh, no. (laughs) So sweet. So cute. I know. Erica's the best. And then uh, in the middle of the night, I wake up to go vomit and uh, bump into Santa and his elves, uh, a.k.a. mom and dad, (laughs) And proceed to vomit all over the bathroom. Oh, no. So the way that I found out that there was no Santa Claus was I kind of puked on my Christmas presents. <gasps> Aww. Yeah. I know. I was going to say that's so sad, but then I think that was around the age that I found out Santa wasn't real. I mean, 12 is like, that's, yeah. you know. It's I mean, time. Everybody kind of already knows, just nobody. Right. You start to suspect it, and then like some, your parents kind of do something lazy so that you'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. my dad, the way I figured it out, and we have this on home video. I remember that year, like, my friend and I, like, being in the kitchen and being like, so, I think that Santa might not be real. We were both, like, really sad, and we didn't want to say it out loud, but we were like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure anymore. And then 
I always used to write a letter to Santa, and he would always respond. And that <laughs> year, it was obviously like my dad responding, <laughs> but he would like disguise his handwriting. Well, that year, my dad did not disguise his handwriting <laughs> intentionally. Oh, no. So we have on home video oh, no. me reading my, my annual letter back from Santa and being like, Dad, this looks like your handwriting. <gasps> and he just winks at me like... <gasps> And I was like, you oh just see the, the realization and devastation like on my on face. Video? It's on home video, yeah. Can we get it on our Instagram account? Oh god, yeah. I'll I'll do what I can when I go home. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Yeah, I was like so pissed. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I want to see this video. <laughs> Jeez. Just all my dream hopes and dreams being crushed. You're really lucky you got that moment recorded. Lucky? I don't know. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. I love watching home videos. I kind of want to, that's all I want to do. We have no home videos. We have like really? two. One where it's like we see dolphins and I'm like running around screaming at everybody. And like a yeah. lost one where my sister had like a Einstein brain prep. Anyway. <sighs> Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, he was, so yeah, he's in this movie, Dead Heat on a Merry-Go-Round. He plays like a bellhop. Okay. So and how old is he at this point? Like 24? He is 20, 22 still. 22? Okay. Uh, oh, 66. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah, he's 24. And uh, the director, or the producer, hated it, and he said that he, like, just looked like a bellboy. I don't know if that's, like, an insult, but he's like, you don't look like a movie star. You look like a bellboy. And Harrison Ford's like, well, I was hired to play a bellboy, but whatever. Fuck you. Um... So, yeah, he then... So, did he have, like, a survival job at this time? Because he's doing mostly background work. He he develops one. Oh, okay. But he's still he's still married. He's got two little kids. So, right. like, you know, lots going on. Um, but he does get a few movies. Um, and he gets, like, a speaking role in 1967 when he's 25 in A Time for Killing. And he's credited as Harrison J. Ford. But fun fact, Harrison Ford has no middle name. And oh. J means... Absolutely nothing. They just thought it would be fancy. Yeah. Actually, there was a silent film actor already named Harrison Ford. Oh. So Harrison Ford didn't know that someone in Hollywood already had his name until he was walking down um, Hollywood Boulevard and stumbles upon a star on the Hollywood (gasps) Walk of Fame. No way. And uh, sees that there's a person already very successful with that name. Um, That guy actually is, like, pretty prolific. He did 80 films. Wow. Yeah. Damn. No one knows of him. Harrison Ford. Um, so then he drops the J and works, uh, for Universal Studios, um, instead of Columbia Pictures. Um, and he plays little roles in a few different TV shows, including Gunsmoke, which, as we remember from our first episode, was where the character that Quentin Tarantino's mom was named after. Named him She for. named him for that character. Oh. But he didn't play that character, did he? No, Harrison Ford was just, like, a random like a minor. Little, little part. Oh, Okay. That was a... Um, like a Burr guest Reynolds. spot on, like, CSI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, everybody... <laughs> I love CSI. Oh, so good. Um, so then, when he's 26, he's in the Western Journey to Shiloh, um, and in Michelangelo Antonioni's 1970 film, Zabriskie Point, um, he's not really happy with the rules that he's getting, and he's kind of feeling, like, despondent and, like, disconnected from Hollywood. And when he's 27, he, uh, he's bought this really shitty, crappy old house, mm-hmm. um, and he is trying to fix it up. So he, uh, buys a bunch of tools and, uh, had been like investing all this money in like 
like tools to fix up the house and he's like shit I can be a carpenter why not oh. I've already got all these tools right, I'm right. getting better at it and completely self-trained he just like oh no way starts picking up carpentry jobs and like networking mm-hmm. um which is really cool he just seems like a cool guy yeah. uh and at, while he's doing this uh he becomes a stagehand for the doors Oh, yeah. cool. In 1968. Pretty wild time to be a stagehand yeah. for the Doors, like a roadie. That sounds like fun. And there's a picture of him where uh, Jim Morrison is walking around and Harrison Ford's in the background. No way. Yeah. That's trippy. And he basically says of that time, he's like, yeah, things, they were like, it was, it was too lit. Like, yeah. he, he couldn't hang. Yeah, they were. He needed to, he needed to leave because they were partying two, pretty hard. He had two kids already. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize he was the dad so young. Yeah. Just like um, Jim Carrey. Same kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, he built a sun deck for uh, an, an actress named Sally Kellerman. And he built a $100,000 recording studio for Brazilian band leader Sergio Mendes. Oh, damn. Um, and Ford now is like... Uh, Mendez like never asked me if I like had ever built something like that before and I hadn't like he totally made it he was like sort of just making it up as he went along fake it till you make it man faking it till he made he made it yeah it's pretty awesome so with these little connections that he's making he famously goes on to build some cabinets for a little weirdo named George Lucas that's my George Lucas there's no wonder we're in space. George <laughs> R. Binks. Um, yeah, so he uh, already knew um, for Francis Ford Coppola um, because he helped expand his home office. Uh, wow. So through... Carpenter to the stars. Yeah. Um, so he... Uh, basically, like, the way he was connected to George Lucas is through Francis Ford Coppola and also this... Uh, casting director named Fred Roos who uh, like was gunning for he was like rooting for Ford to get this part in American Graffiti um, which is George Lucas's second movie have you ever seen it Uh, no I have not it's a lot like Dazed and Confused it's like one night all these teenagers in the 60s Ron Howard is like a sweet little baby in it it's very fun Um, and so then uh, he's in he's in American Graffiti he's in uh two Francis Ford Coppola movies, The Conversation and Apocalypse Now. And in Apocalypse Now, he plays a character named Commander George Lucas. No way. Pretty weird. Yeah. Um, Because Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas are like BFFs. Yeah. Besties. They hold hands. Biffers. And then Harrison Ford gets this movie in this like small little like indie film called Star Wars. Yeah. You probably never heard of it. It's like this really um scare tiny movie no one's ever seen before. Yeah. Um if you do see it, Harrison Ford has a pretty big part. Yeah, it's like it's a pretty big think piece. Yeah. It's mostly about like colonialism and yeah. imperialism. Yeah. But also about like weapons. Yeah. And um, languages. Uh huh. And fear. Yeah. And like what it's like to be a young little blonde sweet boy in yeah. the desert. And like live underground. It's like hard to watch because it's so like relevant to yeah. our time. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was our impression of somebody. A podcast <laughs> where one host. <laughs> Has a lot to say. The other host contributes nothing. Yeah. yeah. 
Yep. Um, yeah, so Star Wars happens, and, you know, that's when he really just gets going. He's Han Solo, and he's riding Solo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So how old is he by the time he, like, finally books Star Wars? Okay, Star Wars, he is... So it's 77. Jeez, he... Hold on. Go ahead. do math with him. Damn it. When was he born again? Hold on one second. Okay, he was 35. Shit! He was 35 when he got Han Solo. Okay, and now this really puts into perspective how kind of creepy that affair was. 35 and 19. Yeah. Homegirl. She was 19. Damn. Woof. Woof. I mean, it happens. You know, I don't want to, like, shame people who have a large age gap in their relationships. It's just, like, yeah. That's a big deal. I mean, you know, they're spending all this time together. It's, like, his first, like, finally, his, like, big break, something he's been working on forever. Yeah. And then... She also doesn't... Like, they don't look that far apart in age. Yeah. No, she's very mature. She... she And she... Ha- like I said, like, she was used to spending time with people much older than her. Yeah. So... She'd probably hang. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I really want to read the book now and just kind of see what she has to say about it yeah me too she says it was like very intense i read that she regrets spilling the tea that she's like sorry that she told that story i think she's like feeling a little guilty about it because he's married now to calista flockhart yeah which is a great name for a person it's a fantastic name calista Calista. i want to name my kid calista sounds like a fun instrument like a tropical instrument yeah I, i studied the calista I think it is an instrument, isn't it? There's the there's like calypso. Oh, calypso. That's and then there's another. Of. There's like the oh, what is it? There's like well, there's like castanet. No. No. <laughs> Callista. It's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm cool. sure Harrison plays Callista like an upright bass. Mm, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Hot grandpa. Oh man, Ally McBeal. Mm. Mm. All right, guys. Well, (laughs) end on that. uh, um, I hope that uh, you guys have yourself a merry little Christmas. And a happy Hanukkah. And though it's been said many Many times, many ways, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Where's my background singers? Where are my background singers? I don't know. Bye. Bye. Bye.